The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Welcome back to the 6.30 Chad Afternoon News. We've been sitting down and talking to Rick Lang from uh, the AMA, both on and off the air, as is the tendency here on the 6.30 Chad Afternoon News. I know I've got some calls parked. I want to talk to you. Um, Rick, I I asked you a moment ago what the biggest problem was you see on the road out there, and you said distracted driving. I think most people would agree. I know that you've written, I've read a number of the articles that you've written for the AMA, and another one that you talked about was uh, simple left turns and simple right turns. And the word of advice was whatever lane you leave is the lane you should arrive in. Why don't people do that? Perhaps you don't know the answer to that, but that is such a simple rule. There is a couple of reasons why people choose whatever lane is most convenient. Number one, (laughs) some people forget what the law is. You know, right turns are made from the curb lane to curb lane, and left turns from the lane immediate right of center to the lane immediate right of center. So there's some people forget about that. Some people are, how shall I say, challenged at turning the steering wheel <laughs> as hard as they have to do to make that right-hand turn. <laughs> Other people, well, I'm going to make a left turn or a right turn in a few blocks time. I'm just going to make sure I get in there. Or the other one is that dude behind me is going to make it into that lane, so right. I'm going to make sure I'm in there in front of him or her. So... A lot of times it is just whatever is convenient, away they go. And, so. you know, let, let me just say this because I, I've said it before on this show, but i got to say it again with you here. The city has actually gone to the trouble of putting dotted lines in the intersection that you only have to follow. You In a major intersection, there's almost always a dotted line which shows you what lane to stay in. And yet people cross over that line. And they just cannot seem to stay on the right-hand side of the lane. Lane discipline, uh, following the curves on the road. You take yeah. a look at the lane marking lines have been worn off or people cut yeah. the corners, whatever. And to me, a lot of times, it's just plain laziness. They just don't want to you know, put suppo- the effort yeah. in to be a really good driver. Or they know where they're going. So exactly. that's the only important thing. Uh, we've got some calls to get to. Over in our texting line, though, um, and I'm told that we cannot stump you. That's what I've been told. So if you think you can stump Rick, let us know. Um, this texter wants to know, is it illegal to go one quarter of the way around a traffic circle in the inside lane? Uh, not a good thing to do. Let's forget about the law right there and just say, what is predictable and preventable and how are you going to communicate that to other drivers? If you're in that left-hand lane and you couldn't make that lane change over to get out that first exit, go and treat it as the fifth exit. Do one complete revolution mm-hmm. plus a quarter and you get around safely. People expect you to do something like that. What they don't expect you to do is make a lane change or that first right-hand turn in that traffic circle because it's going to end up one massive traffic jam because of the collision you're going to have. Yeah, that inside lane does have the right of way, but Absolutely. as you say, legally is one thing and practically is another. Uh, Greg has a question for you on the phone. Go ahead, Greg. How are you guys? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, I just had a comment, actually. Uh, back in the 70s, when I was going to school in Saskatchewan, they had driver training was accredited course you took in school yeah when I graduated from yeah when I took uh, high school in PEI it was as well I don't understand why they don't do that in Alberta it should be mandatory for everybody to take it and it should be part of the curriculum 
I don't know. Mandatory would get pushback, but certainly optional. I would rather take that than shop art or typing, honestly. I mean, we should be preparing our kids to uh, to function and, you know, operate in society. I just, when I took it, it was the lessons that I learned there stick with me to this day. And uh, I think it was twice a week for four hours. So, yeah. I don't know. It was it was very, very good. And uh, I think that they should do that in the Alberta school system. Maybe not mandatory, but have it as a... Have it available. Have it as a accredited, it as a accredited course that you get credits for it and... Uh, yeah. All right, Wait, appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Greg. Appreciate the phone call. Um, before I get you to tell me what you think of that, because I think that would put AMA's uh, driving school out of business, but um, the way it worked in Prince Edward Island was you took it as an optional course. What the car dealers did is if the teachers would take a course in order to teach driving, they would give them a free lease on a car for the year. So teachers volunteered because they got a car out of it. They had to take a course in order to be able to teach driving. And it was something that was convenient and almost every student took it. So what do you you think of that? It's interesting. That worked in the 70s. Unfortunately, it won't work today because, number one, a lot of kids don't want to learn how to drive. That's really strange for somebody of our era because mm. we couldn't wait to get our license when we were sure. 16 because that's how we spent time with our friends. Yep. Now the cell phone or mobile phone has totally changed that where kids want to communicate via texting and whatever else. So we find that the average age of people going through our driving school is getting older as we go through. Really? I'm surprised to hear yeah, that. Right now it's uh, over 18 years old. A whole lot of people are waiting until their 20s, whatever. You take a look at the cell phone has changed things. Ride-sharing uh, partners such as Uber has changed things, uh, public transportation. People want to live and work and party downtown so they can walk wherever they want to go. So mm. people are not driving as much. In fact, the number of licensed drivers in Alberta has dropped uh, a couple points over the last few years. Really? The vehicles in the province has dropped in the last few years. You're right. You can't... Uh yeah, well, can't surprise Rick Lang uh, or stump you. Yeah, you're right. Hunter didn't get his license until... He's almost 19. Yep. I couldn't believe very, he waited three very years. very, common today, and a whole lot of parents tell me my kid at 16, 17, 18 is not interested one little bit. Hmm. A lot of times it is because us parents are great taxi drivers. We will carry the kid around <laughs> wherever they want to go. Isn't that true? Before, I know I'm going to push time a little bit here, but I want to get Dave's call in as well before we take a break for news headlines. Dave, go ahead. Yeah, just a quick question. I think you guys touched on it. I noticed a lot of people, when they're turning left, will cut across my lane rather than, you know, staying in their lane, you know, cutting uh, or doing a 90-degree turn. Um, is that not being taught anymore? Or are people just not aware of what they're doing? We teach uh, the proper left-hand turns to go a little ways in the intersection to make almost a box turn, but most people just want to turn the steering wheel that hard, and they'll take the quickest route around the corner, which is a lot of time cutting off the other lane. So if, uh, you know, they take off my front end, uh, I imagine they'd be at fault. They would be at fault, but the problem is you got a, a damaged vehicle, they got a crash coming up, and you're going to tick off a whole lot of drivers <laughs> in around you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I know. I'd, I'll just have to watch out for them. I mean, I do. So. I mean, how many times do we do corrective measures to allow other drivers to do interesting things All around us? All the time. And the time. To, to your point, Dave, and to yours, Rick, I've actually been in the situation, Dave, that you're talking about. And in the end, and I got damaged to my car, it wasn't my fault. In the end, the insurance company settled on splitting the responsibility, even though my adjuster agreed, not your fault. And 
it still costs me money. Dave, i got to take a break. appreciate you calling and being part of the conversation. Let's uh, get to news headlines. We'll be back with more from AMA's Rick Lang. Engaging conversation with Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. All right, the uh, second half hour of a conversation uh, with uh, Rick Lang from the AMA. We're talking about car safety, driving safety in general. Lots of you texting in. I know, uh, Ron, you're waiting to talk to us on the phone. I'll get to you right away. I've sort of put a bit of a challenge out there, Rick, to try and stump you. Uh, So far, nobody has. Uh, This uh, question, um, is it a good idea? I'll sort of rephrase the question because I did this. Is it, in your mind, still a good idea to take a new driver out to like a Walmart parking lot where there's nothing to hit and just get them driving? There's two theories of thought on that. Number one, give them some experience behind the wheel in a controlled, safe environment, such as your large parking lot. I'm of the other school. I want to put them in a residential area and force their eyes to look a block, two blocks, three blocks down the road in more of a real-world situation. In a Walmart parking lot, what do you do? Tell them to look at the W in the Walmart? So, you know, a whole lot of very experienced instructors will want to put them in that residential area to take a look far down the road, focus their attention where they want to be going, and the car always goes where the eyes are looking. So if you're looking far enough up the road, the car is going to go straight. Another question from a texter wants to know, what's the rule for passing snow plows? Okay, snow plows will have the, the lights flashing, and normally every 5 to 7K, they're going to pull over the side of the road and let people pass safely. Problem with trying to pass a snow plow as they're going down at 60k and then 100k zone on the highway, you can't see a thing. You can't see what's happening forward, vehicle, semi coming towards you. The safest thing to do is sit back, let the driver do his thing. He's going to pull over that 5k. The whole line of traffic behind him is going to pass safely. Uh, save your windshield too. Uh, give enough uh, following distance that a rock doesn't uh, come flying and chip it. Uh, Ron's on the phone. Go ahead, Ron? Hi there. Uh, my question is in regards to uh, merging on the highway. Um, if I'm driving down the highway and coming up to a merge lane, uh, am I responsible for moving over or adjusting my speed to allow that person to merge, or is it their responsibility to find a, an appropriate spot to merge into? This is a really interesting thing. Uh, A lot of people don't realize that it is a shared responsibility in an emerging situation. Number one, if you're on the main thoroughfare, you want to do everything you possibly can to allow that merging driver on. If you're the merging driver, what you have to do is match your speed to the gaps in traffic between the vehicles that are on that merge lane. If both drivers are working together, the merge works out perfectly. Unfortunately, here in Alberta, I see a whole lot of people to do everything they possibly can to prevent that merging driver coming on the road. And I'm going, give the guy a break. He's going to come out sooner or later. You know, he may pop out right in front of you. Why don't you just move over in the other lane, let him in, or speed up, slow down, whatever it takes to get that merging vehicle in. Yeah, the, pro- the problem I've had, I'm a professional driver driving the semi and uh, governed to like 105. So I'll, I'll move over to allow the person on and then they come on the highway and drive right beside me now I'm hung out in the fast lane. Now I've got everyone yep. trying to pass me on the inside, and it just becomes a real mess. You know, so I try to avoid moving over for the people, but then I 
has the people getting pretty upset about that too. Absolute. Uh, what we want to do is you know, have a little more common courtesy to the, the trucker who has got a, a limited amount of space and speed and time they can actually use. So if you move over, hey, get out of his way quickly so we can get back into that, uh, that right-hand lane. Hey, Ron, what, uh, what are you hauling? What size trailer? Uh, it's a 53-foot flat deck with uh, various products. Uh, 53-foot flat duck, not uh, legal in uh, B.C. or Ontario, I believe. Uh, do you still appreciate people uh, flashing their lights to let you know that you uh, that your trailer's cleared the front of their vehicle? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah especially at nighttime. It's, uh, it's your help. Yep, just wondered if that was still a thing. Ron, appreciate the call. Lots more to get to. Glenn has a question for you. Go ahead, Glenn. Uh, yeah, hi. It's more of a situation uh, um, that I have to ask about. Um, I, I'm in a situation where... Uh, when I'm leaving my house, I come to an intersection um, on 34th Street. It's in Millwoods. Uh, I'm heading. I'm heading east, and the traffic that's heading west. Um, what they have is they have the center lane. There's no. There's no signal for. Or no signal. They can go either. Right, or they can go straight, or they can turn left. The right lane is really, really big, but it's a mandatory right. Now, if I'm heading east and I want to turn left, and um, all, all the time, what the people are doing is when there's somebody that's, when they're heading west, if somebody's turning uh, left, they'll get into the mandatory turning lane and go straight through the intersection. Ooh. Now, my question is, if I turned and uh, the oncoming traffic that was supposed to be turning right, if they hit my vehicle, who would be at fault? You making the left turn is always at fault. But these people are going through, they're not paying attention to that right lane. It's a mandatory right. They're blowing through that and going through the intersection. So if, if I'm looking at them, I'm going, they're in the right lane. I know that's a mandatory right. But they're coming straight through. If they hit me while I'm turning left, because I'm assuming that, okay, I'm assuming, but, um, <laughs> you know, but they're, in, they're at fault because they blew through the thing. I waited for the intersection to be clear. These people are supposed to be turning right, and they didn't turn right. They blew through the intersection and hit me. Who's but, at fault? But, Glenn, there's a fine line between they're to blame and they're at fault. You're, you're the one turning left, right? So I'd be to blame, but they're at fault. <laughs> you'd be, it would be, you'd, they'd be to blame, you'd be at fault. And okay. the insurance company is going to charge you with the crash. That's so, right. Hey, there you go. Okay, it's one of those weird things. I totally get your frustration, Glenn. Believe yeah. me. But, thank you very much. But that is the answer to your question. Uh, and Alberta Pete wants to talk to you. Let's uh, not conference that call. Uh, Alberta Pete, go ahead. Conference call, hey. Well, sometimes <laughs> when I forget to hang up on the last guy before I hit the first, the next guy, it actually conferences them together. So you would have been talking to Glenn there if I didn't uh, correct it. <laughs> okay, lucky I wasn't mad at him. Okay, uh, my uh, question is, uh, is it law that when you're merging, say, from, uh, you know, you're merging onto Yellowhead, say, uh, the speed limit is usually everywhere lower than the actual speed limit on the highway? The only place I've ever seen it different is 50th Street and Yellowhead, and I've tried calling City Hall, I've tried calling everywhere that, you know, I always see accidents there. The merging speed limit to get onto Yellowhead eastbound is 100 clicks, but traffic on Yellowhead is still at 80. Mm. We don't get 100 till about, you know, a quarter mile down. 
And I've always seen accidents like, how could you have a higher speed limit merging onto a freeway that's got a lower speed limit? That's an interesting question. Yeah. Normally speaking, when you're coming down a merge ramp, there's going to be a sign that says 80K ahead or 100K ahead. Exactly. I'm not 100% familiar with 50th Street eastbound onto the uh, yellowhead there, but I believe it goes to 100K right under the 50th Street overpass, but I would have to check no, the city. No, that. no, it's still 80 there. Like it goes from 70 by Gainers to 80. And then after the bridge, after the merging lane from 50th Street comes onto Yellowhead, mm -hmm. a little bit further down, once they're merged, it goes to 100. You'll have to go take a look at that. Cause, uh, oh, yeah. No, I'm telling you. Oh, and one last comment. Do you, would you support uh, having mandatory renewals of licenses mm, for great people? Great question. Great question. Would you? That's an interesting question. Uh, Dr. Richard Tay, when he's with the University of Calgary in the AMA Chair on Traffic Safety, did a literature review around the world of senior or aging drivers. And the question was, does mandatory retesting improve traffic safety? And he found out around the world there was absolutely zero evidence to support mandatory testing for any age of driver to improve traffic safety. Interesting stuff. Peter, I've got to cut you off because i got to take a break oh. and i got more calls, but I appreciate you listening and calling in. And before we take that break, let me quote another study. In 2010, the AMA Foundation for Traffic Safety and the University of Calgary asked more than 1,000 Albertans to take their learner's exam. <laughs> their learner's exam. Well, how do you think they did? 11% pass. So before you teach a child to drive, uh, maybe you should learn. is often the case when we have a great guest on the show, which we do today. Uh, the phone lines back up. We've got tons of people and little time, but I want to get to as many of your calls as possible. I'd rather hear your questions than mine. Let's start with this one. Jesse Byer, Chief Meteorologist <laughs> at Global Television, listening to the show as I know he does. You had a question for Rick. I should have called in with a fake name. <laughs> well, it depends on who's uh, to blame in the story you're about to tell us, but what's your question? My question is, and this has been bothering me for a while, so much so that I was listening to the show and I had to call in as a, a, a viewer or a listener. Yeah. When you're, par when you're parallel parking and you, and you stop and put your signal light on to, to back up, do you have the right of way to back up or do the people that are waiting for you to park because they keep going around or going around and you can't, you can't back up because as soon as you swing your nose out, you're going to clip them. So whose right of way is it? Is the, the people behind you... Do they have the right way to keep going, or do you have the right way to back up? That is a great question. Interesting question, Jesse. Number one rule when backing up is you have no legal rights, which means you don't have the right away. means in the event of a crash, it is your fault. So, keeping that in mind, what are you going to do when these people are going around you? Well, you have to sit. So, basically, what happens to me every single morning parallel parking at work is I stop, put my, my signal light on to go in, and any traffic behind me goes goes around and sometimes I have to sit there for four or five cars that go into the oncoming traffic lane. But that's the answer, Jesse. You have to, to sit there around. and wait. You have to sit okay. and wait. That's the answer. If and I, I've had the same question. I've had the same question asked of me by both my kids. I taught them the correct way to parallel park and then people, like you say, they either go around or they pull up mm -hmm. right behind because they don't understand what you're trying to do. 
Right, and yeah, and so then you, yeah, and even downtown. I know on on Jasper and a few places where you do have to parallel park, and then that happens. You just sit there until the person either goes around you or whatever. I just wanted to know. Yeah, right on, Jesse. Appreciate the call. I'll talk to you again in uh, an hour or so. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Um, wanted to ask you about that as well when we're talking about right of ways. If you're driving down a residential street and there's uh, bikers, but the bikers are not single file, they're taking up the lane, um, do you have the right to pass them? Well, bicycles are another vehicle, and the laws of the Traffic Safety Act apply to them, meaning they're a vehicle, you have to give them the full lane. So, got to let them go. Wow. Jesse makes an interesting point that uh, a whole lot of people will drive around the block three or four times before they, <laughs> you know, will attempt a parallel park. A whole lot of people haven't done a parallel park since the day they passed the road test. Is, is that a fact? Absolute. Absolute. I do it all the time. I don't understand why it's hard. Is that one of the harder things to teach? Uh, one of the harder things to teach because a whole lot of people get so worked up at it. It is a simple backing maneuver, low yeah. speed. It you know what I think the problem is? Uh, and I don't want to, you know, go against anything you guys are teaching. I think the problem is that uh, instructors tend to break it into four or five steps. And I don't personally see it that way. I see it as one fluid motion of just sliding the back end in and pulling the the nose back. And an experienced driver, that is all they do, and that's how I teach. You know, you come up behind a vehicle and you say, do I want to park in front of this one or behind right. that one? If they say in front of that one, look at the one and just one smooth fluid exactly. movement, and in it goes. I want you to teach me to drive again. I want to see what you find. Uh, Christian wants to talk to you. Go ahead. Hi. 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 Uh, thanks for taking the call. Um, at what point does you do the who has the right of way in an intersection when the light goes yellow? Who's okay. got the right-of-way when the light goes yellow? Okay, so if you've entered the intersection and the light turns uh, yellow after your intersection, then, hey, you have to clear the intersection. There's also a thing called a point of continuance, where at the speed you're going at, the road surface, etc., there's absolutely no way you're going to be able to stop before you get to the stop line. So you continue through the intersection at that time. The problem is you got three, four, or five vehicles behind you who figured, yeah, the guy in front of me is going to go through, I'm going to make it through, and that last one is not going through a yellow light or a pink light, they're going through a red light. So if you're in that opposing direction, you have to wait until they all clear the intersection before you get to go. And Christian, are you thinking specifically, that's a very simple case, two cars uh, entering the intersection. Are you thinking about a car waiting to turn left in front of you and you're waiting oh, to go? Here's, here's my point of contention here in regards to this, the stop line. Okay. Once you, my understanding is the stop line, once you're on the other side of the stop line, you're, you're considered in, in the intersection uh, by the front wheels. Is that not correct? Well, if you take a look at the true definition of an intersection, it's a prolongation of the lateral curb lines, and you have to be across that fully in the intersection before you actually get to clear the intersection. So it's not okay. enough just to have your front yes. tires pass the line? So, not uh, enough to pass that stop line, no. So someone running, uh, say, a yellow on, on, on going, someone going, I'm going left, and someone running a yellow oncoming, um, if they enter the intersection and it goes yellow, I have I had the right of way. You have to wait until they clear before you can make that left hand turn. If they're but if I but if I was in the intersection on and it went yellow before he entered the intersection on the yellow. You who still has the right of way. You're the turning car, Christian? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, you gotta wait. You still gotta wait. Oh. 
Okay. I know it's All not right, the then. answer you wanted, but it is an answer. Uh, we're out of time almost, but I want to get uh, 30 seconds. Kristen, go ahead. i got a question. Small down. Um, park. You go to back up out of the diagonal parking, and someone coming the other way turns across your backing direction because they want to park incorrectly on the diagonal. I've come from the wrong direction. Oh, you're cutting in now, Kristen. It's really hard to hear you. Can you put your phone to your head and put your head out oh, the window? And... It is. Is that any better? Yeah, yeah. So give it to us again real okay, quick. Okay, sorry. Small town. Solid yellow Dean center line. It's diagonal parking. Okay. So you're backing out of that diagonal parking. Someone's coming from the other direction, and they cross illegally across and try and cross on the diagonal, which is, they shouldn't have come across. But you're backing up in the, if there's a collision. So two wrongs don't make a right. Still, you're backing up. You're the one at fault. Okay. Yeah, I knew that, uh, Krista, I knew that was going to be the answer. Appreciate the call. We're out of time. Man, uh, you know what? I was promised that I could not, uh, nor could our listeners uh, stump you. That was absolutely true, Rick. Some obscure questions among some common ones. I really enjoyed this hour. We have to do it again. Absolute. No problem at all. All right. We'll schedule it for the next time Jay's out of town. Uh, we'll take a break, and when we come back, well, I don't even remember, but it'll be something. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.